What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is presented by maybe you. Yeah, don't have a sponsor right now. So if you are a business owner or you are someone who knows a business owner looking to get into the podcast advertising game and would like to sponsor the best independent sports podcast today, this podcast, it goes seven days a week. I'm writing seven days a week. Yeah, folks, Monday through Friday, NBA, Major League Baseball, the NFL, college football. It's happening every single day on this podcast. On the weekends, guess what? You're getting a Saturday conversation. You're getting maybe a writer from the week. Maybe you're getting a writer from uh, the New York Times. Maybe you're getting an interview with a former MLB all-star like Luis Gonzalez. You never know who you're going to get on that Saturday show. Sundays, guess what? Movie reviews with Philip Musay. Yeah, I cover movies too. I do just about everything that's possible on the podcasting spectrum. I'm writing about it. I'm podcasting about it. You can get it all on chasethomaspodcast.com. There is no one right now doing what I'm doing every single day. I am giving you content every single day. I am the best at what I do right now. Why not join up? Why not be a presenting sponsor of the Chase Thomas Podcast? Reach out at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Leave me five stars on Apple. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple. Leave a review. Let's keep this thing going. Uncle Darren, hit my music. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello and welcome to a Thursday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Old friend, old old friend, Chase Thomas podcast original guy, Chris Walder, up there in the north where I can't get into. I don't think right now. Chris, good evening. How are you? Doing good, brother. Are you calling me old or are you just calling our friendship old? Because I'm getting the up ladder. there in age. Okay. Thank you. Just to make that clear. I am in my early 30s, but yeah, we, we go way back, my friend. It's good to hear from you. I am, I think, what is it? So we are in October. I think I'm at the six-month mark. But Yeah, I'm at the six-month mark before my 30th birthday now. Oh, welcome to the club sooner and Hold sooner Hold on, enough. don't. No, 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 no. Not welcome <laughs> to the club. Not there yet. Let's not uh, count our chickens before they hatch. I am very well, much in my 20s, as they say, my mm-hmm. youthful 20s. Uh, 30 feels well, far away, so we don't have to pretend that I'm nearing 30, actually, Chris. Well, en- enjoy the rest of this time, because once you hit 30, it's an entirely different ball game. Everything changes. Everything tastes different. Everything smells different. It's a whole new universe for you. I don't believe you. Well, you'll, you'll, you'll see soon enough. <laughs> Everything starts to hurt for no reason as well. Get well I'm used already to there. That. You're, oh, you're already there. Okay. Well, yeah. it, it only gets worse from here. Every, every cut, every scrape, every bruise, it hurts that much more when you have a three in front of your age. Mm. 
I'm excited about my 30s. I don't know about you. And Cody Rhodes did say that uh, the pro wrestler prime starts at 35. So we're not even in our prime yet in pro wrestling timelines. Well, get me in the squared circle for some suplexes and hurricane ranas then because I am a, a prime candidate to be throwing it down in the ring. Well, speaking of throwing it down the ring, uh, not Monday Night Raw, which, uh, Chris, I don't know if you're getting through these three-hour shows. Um, the ratings this week, I think, was like a 1.67 or something. It's really, really bad at the moment. Um, I wrote about it this week. Monday Night Raw is a program where nothing is happening and it just keeps going it like it's amazing that there's a three-hour program where nothing happens but they still litter it with rematch after rematch and just there is no life to that show at least with smackdown nxt and aw and impact there is life there is no life on raw is that an oversimplification or do you feel the same when you watch it no, I, I definitely feel the same way. I mean, watching Monday Night Raw was kind of just part of my routine for the last several years. It was once eight o'clock hit on a Monday night, I would sit in front of my television and, you know, get myself mentally prepared for three hours of professional wrestling. But I've come to realize over the last year or so that it, it, it's taken a toll on me as a fan, not because you know, the length of the show, which in and of itself is a problem because it's hard to squeeze three hours of content into a, a weekly wrestling program. But at the same time, it's kind of like the company is taking people like me for granted, people who have been following the company for so many years because I they don't seem to take the show seriously anymore. And it's kind of like you said, it's like, they they advertise these big matches take for example you know this past monday and i think there was a rematch between keith lee and drew mcintyre yes. right away i knew that we were not getting a finish and that is an issue because i like watching i'm a, a big fan of the wrestling itself you know the storylines the promo work it's all kind of a bonus revolving around the actual work inside the ring but when you advertised and you know mentally that you're going to get a disqualification or or get a shady finish just to get around the fact that you don't want to beat either guy it's like why am i sitting here for 10 to 15 minutes watching these guys beat the crap out of each other knowing that nothing is really going to stem from it and you do that so often you have storylines that don't make any sense you have inconsistencies across the board i have much better ways to spend my time than watching monday night raw it's um it's just bad. It, it really is bad. And we need to talk about uh, retribution. Um, T-Bar and friends. <laughs> I No surprise that uh, backstage was mm-hmm. met with laughs and just despair. And it's like the one thing I will say about the names is Dominic Dijakovic was not going to get over on the main roster as a name. Like that is a mouthful and it's right. not an easy thing to chant. And um, it just it would have it would have struggled. T-Bar, I guess, is somewhere of a step up, but, like, the masks, the Bane stuff, it's just, it's not good. This is a talented group, which sucks, because everyone in this group, outside of, I guess, maybe Dio Madden, because we really haven't seen enough to to figure out whether or not he's actually actually good. Um, but Shane Thorne, Mia Yim, Mercedes Martinez, and Dijakovic are all extremely talented wrestlers, and Raw needs all of these people when you watch this show the absence of becky lynch cannot be understated too where you built around Mm -hmm. this show uh, the women's division especially with her and ronda rousey and both of them just being gone 
has just left a huge gulf and i love oscar and oscar is just incredible but the the drop off from that to oscar feuding with selena vega and mickey james is just it's it's huge and we got a little bit of bianca belair this week which was good i thought that was a very good video package for her um i don't really know what her slogan means the est of wwe like it doesn't actually mean anything um but whatever and then peyton royce came off like a star in her backstage um kind of stare down conversation with uh, oscar who's just giving away title shots which is a good point that she made um and it's good to see her and billy k um still be friends even if they can't be tag team partners which i thought was good um, but isn't that just another inconsistency right there is that they had the breakup of the iconics they had you know a, a supposed heel turn what was it when the peyton royce threw billy k into the raw underground there and then they had yeah. their singles match and I then all of a sudden that. it's like we're supposed to forget that these two were kind of kaputs and now they're kind of back together but they can't wrestle together that that's what i mean the writing staff is just winging it every week um the raw underground stuff is just uh it's just bad is there anything you like about it like i'm very annoyed that it's still happening i mean it's gonna be one of those things that we're gonna talk about a couple years from now really remember when they did that it's going the celebrity host thing where it's just this weird thing that we did on raw for a little bit the purple ropes club with the cruiserweights for a little bit it's just not gonna stick like there's there's no chance it sticks um and then the the guy they're bringing up and using raw underground to get over um i'm gonna call him not tyson tomko but um he's not good and that stare down was um it, it, it's it, it just braun Strowman. why is he there um as a smackdown superstar what is the the idea behind him being able to go to raw underground and to be on the show and then bounce around like no continuity there um the seth rollins dominic mysterio storyline can we talk about that for a second because it's been 15 years i guess since we did a mysterio um paternity st- storyline and now we're getting it uh maybe being Aaliyah, not being raised kid and are, are they insinuating that murphy is the father is that where they're going whatever they're doing it's creepy beyond reason because even if they are teasing that which wouldn't make a lick of sense to begin with Maybe they're teasing a romantic relationship of sorts, you know, maybe Aaliyah's falling for Murphy, but she's 19 years old, which is creepy. They shouldn't be doing this. It was when it was done, you know, so many odd years ago with Eddie Guerrero, it worked. It was one of the best storylines on SmackDown because it had Eddie Guerrero in it, who was great on the on the mic, great in the ring. And they could sell this outlandish storyline because you at least had the history between Eddie and Ray being lifelong friends. But now you have Seth Rollins, who this Messiah gimmick it is more missed than hit uh, for the better part of the year. And now he comes out to the ring, starting throw out, throwing out these, these allegations of DNA and paternity. It's like, we've done this before and it was infinitely better back then. Now you're just rehabbing lightning in a bottle again, but that's definitely not going to happen. Is there any way the storyline doesn't just continue on for the next several months? That's what I'm concerned about is that this was week one and this storyline's already gone on too long. Rollins needs to do something else. Dominic Mysterio needs to do something else. Like he actually works really well with Humberto. Humberto has got nothing else going on. I, the raw tag okay. team division is just wrecked with the Viking Raiders going down and all these different split ups and everything. Mm-hmm. But I would just do that. I don't know why they think they have to do these kind of over the top 2004 storylines like Dominic Mysterio is an over babyface. He's good. Fans like him. He is just good. And um, I would just, 
let him team with Umberto for a couple months. Let him do some tag team stuff. Let him work with Umberto, get them both over and have some good matches. But like, what are we doing? We don't need this. Raw doesn't need this. Murphy doesn't need this. Seth Rollins doesn't need this because Seth Rollins has actually done the best he can with this Monday Night Messiah gimmick. Um, he can he can do whatever this company needs him to do as a babyface or a heel. But like this, this is not it. And I wrote down in my notes where I was like, this promo went on for what felt like 45 minutes. Like it kept going. He kept talking and it was just so awkward. And Ray, God bless him. Love Ray Mysterio forever. God awful on the mic. He'll always be off yeah. on the mic. And his dialogue back was terrible. And it was just this segment would not end. And then just the bad acting from his daughter leaving and just the weird place. Like it was this whole thing, just throw it in the trash, <laughs> move on raw underground, throw it in the trash, move on. There are so many things on this show that I wrote down where I'm like, just scrap this. It's okay to scrap it, to admit that you failed. Raw just needs an entire reset. And I think it starts with Orton winning the belt from McIntyre. Well, well, here's the thing, just to go back to a couple of points about Raw itself. For one, uh, Raw Underground, not for me. I know it's trying to cater to an audience that is into the MMA style of fighting, but this is professional wrestling. And if you want to watch that, you turn on Bellator, you right. turn on the UFC, who do it much better, obviously. And you're getting basically, you know, Riddick Moss, for example, who no one took seriously when he was competing in the ring. But now you throw him in this squared circle without the ropes in this raw underground setting. And all of a sudden he's a badass, which I can appreciate because you're trying to build him back up. But you've already programmed me to think that he's not a big deal. So, you know, and then you have the Titus O'Neils and the, and the Dolph Ziggler's of the world and the uh, the Eric or, or Ivar, whoever uh, isn't injured right now, going in there and getting beat up. It, it's just it's not working. The wins and the losses don't mean anything. And that's something that I appreciate about watching AEW, which I never miss every Wednesday, is that when I watch a match, when I watch a fight. I know I'm going to get a winner and I know I'm going to get a loser. So everything feels important in the raw underground on every card of Monday night raw. I just don't feel that way. And to go to the Dominic Mysterio. Yeah, he's exceeded a lot of expectations in the ring, but I think a lot of credit goes to Seth Rollins for being such a, a quality dance partner. He's probably the best between the ropes in the entire company right now, at least until Daniel Bryan gets back in the ring. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been upset to see Dominic take some time off. You know, th- this went far better storyline with his dad Ray and, and Seth Rollins has gone on far too long. I wish they would have put the kibosh in it following that uh you know eye for an eye match uh which which was gross and, and didn't make a lick of sense to me but and then all of a sudden he's thrown into this makeshift makeshift tag team with humberto carrillo two guys who have never teamed before sure like they could they probably have some chemistry but they're already earning a shot at the tag team titles or at least an opportunity for a shot at the tag team titles the raw tag team division is a joke they're lacking bodies at the moment which hurts them but again we, we saw what happened with angel garza and andrade they broke up but they're all of a sudden back together seth rollins is beating up murphy but they're back together you know humberto and and dominic are a tag team for some reason it's just it's like you said i don't want to be that guy that watches wrestling every week and just finds stuff to complain about it's just wwe is making it so bloody easy as of late i like wrestling I want to root for WWE to be successful, especially during a time where the world is in such disarray. We're going through a pandemic. I want to sit in front of my TV for an extended period. 
pointing at the screen and, and laughing my ass off because nothing nothing adds up. No, it doesn't. And I just they need to do some stuff. And they miss like little things too. They miss little things that could make this show really pop. Like little moments where it's like this could be a YouTube phenomenon. Kevin Owens and Shane Man. They we know their mm-hmm. history. We know the Hell in a Cell history. We know their history on SmackDown. They have a segment this week. The bodyguard for Shane jokes about whether or not Shane needs backup to go talk to Kevin. And he's like, no, we're good now. And it's a good play off their history. Mm -hmm. They don't discuss really any of that. It's clear Shane's (laughs) there for hyping up Raw Underground. And then Kevin gets awkwardly pulled back and attacked by pirate Aleister Black. But we don't really get the kind of historical conversation that they should have had. Like instead we got this Andy Levine 2.0 coming out to feud with Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens just getting pulled to the side. Like I said, like it's just, that's a little thing that could have been a big part of this show is Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon come face to face for the first time in a long time. Like play up the fact that Shane is basically running raw now we the fans are a lot smarter than they've ever been and they know what's going on they know that Shane has a large role on Monday Night Raw now with Paul Heyman being away like just play into that and play into the fact that Shane's an authority figure play into the fact that Adam Pierce has a weird WWE whatever his what was it WWE like figure was that what his yeah. title was or something like that? Sure, yeah. Yeah, just play into who's actually running Raw. Let Kevin Owens be the guy who's like, Shane, are you back? Are you my boss again? Like, you could do something there in that segment where if you had any foresight whatsoever, you could go, hey, Kevin Owens is our best talker on this show. Shane is a good talker, and Shane can actually hold his own in a one-on-one segment with Kevin. Let's do that. Let's forget about alistair black and raw underground for a second and just do a compelling segment because guess what fans would have just been happy those two talking to each other and interacting for the first time in a long time right yeah kevin owens is one of the more underutilized superstars on the entire roster i really liked you know pre-pandemic where they were going with him giving him the stone cold stunner he was instantly becoming one of the top faces in the company and now he just feels like a background player someone who hosts the kevin owens show every now and then kind of is a metagator for other feuds and then you see him with shane mcmahon in the ring there was so much potential there for a back and forth between the two because us wrestling fans us who have been watching the product remember that these two had a pretty intense blood food feud for quite some time which culminated McMahon fired and then all of a sudden out of the blue Shane McMahon comes up with this raw underground idea he's all of a sudden back with the company with no real story behind why he's back other than you just assuming you know he's a McMahon he can do whatever he wants that would have been an interesting kind of back and forth conversation to really build upon in the ring but what we get is Shane McMahon in the ring building up to this Braun Strowman and, and Dabakato whatever the hell his name is uh, raw underground match with went, which went two minutes and Dakota both Kyle. guys were gassed at Dakota Kai. <laughs> yeah, Dakota Kai, the uh, the NXT lady. Yeah. But again, with these with these names, it's so hard to remember. But again, that's that's something I would have liked to have seen. Just Shane McMahon and Kevin Owen just shooting the shit for, for five minutes before we get to the real reason why they're there, which is to build up that raw underground match, which no one necessarily cared for. And that was evident in the ratings we got for hour three. All that being said. The one thing Raw has gotten right in the last couple months, 
I think I want to get your take on this. Sure. The Hurt Business is phenomenal. Uh, I... I like oh, no. I like them to don't an, you I dare. like them to an don't extent. Don't you dare! I, I no, a no, smile no, no. comes to my face every time they come out. Every MVP line, especially backstage, is perfect. Like them laughing at Pierce, thinking he was they were going to work for him for free and that they were going to give him charity. Ten out of ten. Like that group. <laughs> ten out of ten. Okay, so here's the thing. Oh no, MVP is one of the best talkers on the mic in the company. I'm so glad they signed him. I'm so glad he has something to do. This is also the most important Bobby Lashley has felt since he came back to the company. And it's helping me forget about that feud he had with Sami Zayn where Zayn brought out Bobby Lashley's sisters. And that was one of the worst set Lana, which was also just as atrocious. And I like the fact that Shelton Benjamin is involved as as well. The veteran gives him some him something to do. I don't necessarily I'm not playing along with, with the way they got Cedric Alexander into the group. It's kind of like just the 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 mentality of if we if I can't beat him join him which kind of makes him look like a dweeb but he he fits into that group as well it was just this past Monday night on Raw where they open the show they're combating retribution and they're made to look like these ultimate baby faces but then later in the show they're going you know mano a mano with Apollo Cruz and Ricochet who are supposed to be the baby faces so then they have to play the heels but then we go to the main event where the Hurt Business is supposed to be the baby faces. But you can also make a case for Retribution being the baby faces. You see where I'm getting at here? There's no real defined characters for these guys. We're going back and forth between baby face and heel. If, if it's confusing me, it must be confusing to the common wrestling fan, don't you think? Yeah. I. My biggest worry, and this is like when Vince stumbles on something where he's like, oh, this is good. So let me get my hands on this. We're like... The Hurt Business feuding with Retribution, I don't agree with because they've really figured out their their role as just top heel faction, and we don't need them to feud with another heel and play the babyface role. Like they they just the worst thing that can happen to the Hurt Business is to become babyfaces. Right, and and do we remember the the what was it the first episode where they debuted the Raw Underground? And the show ended with MVP, Shelton, and Lashley in the ring saying, we own the Raw Underground now. We're the top dogs here. We're the bosses and whatnot. And they never followed up on that. Again, it's, it's just, there's no week-to-week consistency. And I, I'm with you. I do like the Hurt Business. I think they're one of the best things going in WWE right now. I just wish their characters were more defined and they weren't jumbling around with this, you know, whether it's the raw underground or the Apollo ricochet stuff. And then the retribution stuff, I think they're in too many places at once and they have to play different roles in each of those scenarios. Yeah. (sighs) I don't know. I don't mean to be a downer brother. I don't mean to be a downer. I know you're a hurt business guy. If anything, I like the color scheme. I'm digging the black and gold. It reminds me of Raptors OVO. Hmm. I actually hate those uniforms. Ah, get out of here. <laughs> those That's are the worst ones by far. It's not even close. <laughs> it's not even close. Oh, don't, I, I, well, I, I like it for what it's worth. I, I mean, it's just, uh, no, I, I'm good. Um, <laughs> I just, is there any way Retribution gets out of this okay? Is there any way? Uh... God, it's the sooner the better. If they can ditch these ditch these gimmicks, you know, there's those rumors that they're going to Survivor Series to do the traditional Survivor Series match. Although there's only technically three of them, I don't unless you're doing some sort of a mixed tag of some point to get Mercedes and, and Mia Yim in there. But these are just death nail gimmicks for them. It, it's a it's a damn shame because in, I I agree with you. The Dominic Dijakovic name 
would have been hard to really wrap your minds around because it, it's so long and, and easy to slip over. But again, he, he's so great between the ropes. Shane Thorne is as well. I really liked uh, his tag team with uh, um, with TM61 back in the NXT days. I, I thought they had potential before uh, Nichols left. And Dio Madden, I haven't really seen a, a lot of in the ring, but that would have been such an easy way to explain his part in Retribution, him being a part of the Raw announced team and then getting laid out by Brock Lesnar and then never having an opportunity to get back to the desk. There was something there, but at the same time, these guys went from these you know, protest ninjas to evolving into these Mad Max Bane-looking characters with these silly masks and the face paint to boot. Hopefully Survivor Series, they just get swept out of the building and they all of a sudden come back. They've come to their senses and they can return to the characters they were in NXT because I think two additions like a Mia Yim and a Mercedes Martinez to the women's division right now. I mean, hell, we're getting a a random Zelina Vega women's championship match at Clash of Champions on Sunday. Can someone explain to me why she had to leave Andrade and Garza to enter the women's division? Who knows, man? Go ask uh, whoever's writing these shows and who's agreeing Why to it. Vince you, McMahon. You don't have to it. break them up. They could just do other things. What? They've broken. They've broken up so many damn times at this point. If but you're, like, if why? you think, I don't understand why they think that they can't just do other stuff. That like, oh, we're attack. Like, <sighs> what's Kofi uh, Kingston can challenge for the world title, and Xavier Woods and Biggie can feud in the, in the tag team scene. And that's okay. Like they don't all, they can still be a group and do different stuff. Why did it break up? Makes no sense. But let me ask you this question. Which feud has jumped the shark more in 2020? Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio or Andrade and Angel Garza against the Street Profits? Uh, Is this not the 100th time we've seen this tag team match in the last four months? I've got a take for you. Go for it. Street profits suck. In in what sense? They're very annoying. Very annoying. Uh, they have their moments. I don't think Dawkins is good in the ring. I think Ford does his same spots. He's pretty limited. I I just they're bad on commentary. They're very annoying on commentary. They're just I don't know. They're 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 just not that good. And like Garza and Andrade are just so much better and they're so clean in the ring and they're just like just give them the titles and build the raw tag team division around them just let them dominate they're so damn good what it like they're it's not even in the same ballpark and the Viking Raiders I think do comedy a lot better than the Street Profits um the Street Profits are an act that works better in front of a live audience. It doesn't necessarily Maybe, yeah. translate to the Thunderdome. Uh, I think there's potential there for Montez Ford as a single star, but I don't think they're going to jump the gun with that anytime soon. I would love for him to play like this power couple gimmick with Bianca Belair. You know, maybe give Montez Ford the United States or run the women's division until Becky Lynch returns, hopefully in another year or two. And Dawkins has grown on me. He He's lost a little bit of weight. He's getting more fluid in the ring. I don't think they're the disaster that you're making them out to be. They certainly have moments they're where they're annoying. They're not but my they're, cup of tea. Like, I just, I'm not a street profits guy. I'm just not. So you would rather see the, the division revolve around an Andrade and an Angel Garza then? Yes, 100%. Okay. And then who, who would feud with them? We're running out of uh, baby face tag teams. That's not my problem. 
That is not my problem. <laughs> they had more tag teams. They broke them up. That is not my problem. That's why we're getting this random appearance from uh, Cesaro and Nakamura, right? Just to get another tag team onto the scene on Monday Night Raw. There's, we're running out of bodies, man. These injuries they need are to do starting what to add AEW up. Did. When AEW ran out of bodies uh, in the women's division for a couple months this summer, you know what they did? Nothing. They, they just disappeared. <laughs> I think the Raw tag team division should just disappear for a couple months until they can recalibrate. There should really only be one tag team championship in the entire company because the fact that you have two and you're lacking challengers on both brands, it, it just – even more so. I would rather just unify the tag team titles at Survivor Series maybe and then just have one giant tag team division because it's not like you're you're having a problem having people jump back and forth between shows. Everything is is in that bubble out in Orlando, so you, you just continue on with the COVID testing and I don't see any problems. I think that's where they're going anyway, my hunch. Um, Fingers crossed. Yeah. Have you been watching Impact lately? I've been following it online. I haven't had a chance to uh, really watch the product. I'm happy for Eric Young going for, from ex- obscurity uh, in WWE to now being their world champion. I, I really like what they're doing with his feud with Rich Swan. Uh, I like the RVD gimmick uh, with his girlfriend there and and his feud with Sammy Callahan. Is and that I a think gimmick? Take- I think he's just a happy 45-year-old stoner who uh, is just living his best post-relevant life where he's just, (laughs) I'm not trying to be the guy in any company anymore. I'm happy. I guess the the two girlfriend storyline's over. Um, Yeah. And it's just him and Katie Forbes, but... uh, At least on air. (laughs) Yeah, he... RVD can still do his stuff. Like, he's still in great shape for his age. Um Sammy Callahan, I have mixed things. His entrance is perfect. Um, I just wish Impact yeah. would do a little bit more with the sound. Uh, that I, I look, I had Chris Saban on the podcast last week, and we were talking, and the guy, I, like, I'm really rooting for a lot of guys. Ace Austin will actually be on the podcast next week, but um, oh, very cool. Their tag team division is built really well right now, and Good Brother. Just seeing the Good yeah. Brothers, Motor City Machine Guns, and the Rascals talking backstage was cool. Um, Wrestle House is like one of my favorite things in professional wrestling that uh, I'm very upset they've moved on from because the last week, I guess it was last week or two weeks ago, um, where AC Romero and the Deaners, so Triple XL and the Deaners had this like long 20 minute, just over the top, ridiculous match in Wrestle House. Tommy Dreamer mm-hmm. had amazing spots in there. Like they're doing a lot of interesting stuff. They're trying different things, um, but their women's division because they can afford stacked. to. And their tag team division is stacked. Like Jordan Grace and Tenille Dashwood close the show. Tenille Dashwood is fantastic. Kylie Ray is challenging Deanna Perrazzo for the women's title at um, uh, Bound for Glory. And then we have, mm-hmm. you know, Ty Valkyrie and Rosemary doing their cool stuff backstage. And Heath, just an incredible. Did you see Chuck Norris, Flavor Flav, um, the, ha- the Hasselhoff? all appeared yeah they got the cameo appearances yeah that was so cool a nice little touch you can get away with it pay a few bucks to get them on the show and why not it's a i appreciated that last thing on impact and we'll we'll get to aw to wrap up here um tjp i think might be my favorite in ring worker right now i was thinking about that this week we're like wow he is so crisp. He is so quick. He is so good. Like he's figured out how to do a just barn burner professional wrestling match that keeps you engaged for a 10 to 15 minute stretch. 
I'm not sure I want to watch him for 40, but TJP, everything looks good. His reversals are just always top notch. His submissions are just perfect. Like his crab, his Boston crabs, his what, whatever he turns his stuff into, like he's so innovative in the ring that like watching this triple threat this week against him, Chris Bay and Trey Miguel, those three all could go and just were incredible. But TJP is just on another level, I think. And I, I don't know. I think he could do a lot. I would not hate eventually putting him in the world title conversation. I understand he's always been a lifelong X division cruiserweight guy, but like that's all changing. And Adam Cole, is he really bigger than TJP? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> Pat McAfee could back me up on this. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like I need to give some, some kudos to TJP for turning into maybe the best professional wrestler on the planet. Wow, that is uh, quite the hot take, Chase. I have not seen I, – I admittedly have not seen a lot of his work in Impact Wrestling. I was a fan of his when he was uh, the Cruiserweight Champion. His promo work le- left a lot to be desired, but uh, you know his matches were, were top-notch, and I'm glad to hear that he's you know pushing the boundaries, pushing the limits in Impact Wrestling. It's just you know Impact has their guys at the top right now. It may, it may take him a while to kind of get out of that X Division threshold and be in the world title picture, but I would love to see him there. I you know secretly I had his uh, WWE like Super Mario esque theme music as my ringtone for quite some time. I still have it on my iPhone to this day. I I, I can't. I hated the fact when it he was ditched perfect. that. Yeah, it was so good. I thought it was going to help him get over to like a younger audience. I remember Xavier Woods going on Twitter saying, "Why the hell can't I get that entrance music?" You know, but uh, that's neither here nor there. He's he's down in Impact Wrestling now. And uh, again, just from your recommendation, I'm going to have to check out some of his work. Definitely do it because he's just he's top notch. He's just I think he's just the best in ring ten minute sprint worker today. It, it has to be a ten minute sprint. And he is just going to entertain and just put on a fucking clinic. Um, I praise. AEW last night. A lot happened. They had to rewrite some stuff because of some COVID uh, things that have come out today. But I thought this was a very good show. My line of the night was 18 years. Says I deserve this shot. This was the night for Eddie Kingston. Mm-hmm. Put on an absolute promo clinic to open this show. Um, I I really... Eddie Kingston is just a different animal and he is so refreshing. I wrote about this today. You can read it at podcast.com. but uh, he, he's just, he reminds me so much of CM Punk where like he is so charismatic. He's so smart. He's so angry. He's so impassioned. He hates when people sell out. He hates when people kiss ass. He, he is just an ideologue that, um, never took any shortcuts that believes that people have always turned their back on him. And he has his followers, the straight, he has his own straight edge disciples, um, with the Lucha bros and, uh, butcher and the blade and everything now. But like he, right. is just so good. And he's so different where everybody in professional wrestling can work. Now, everybody's a good wrestler, unless you're like Lana, Natalia, Nia Jax, um, gender Mahal, the ascension there aren't many bad professional wrestlers anymore like most people can go in the ring like you're stunned whenever you see someone just 
really dropped the ball and is just god-awful in the ring. Like, they're just yeah. not that many. It used to be half the roster, more than half the roster couldn't work. And it was all about promos and everything else. We flipped. And most of these people cannot talk. Sasha Banks can't talk. Bailey has gotten a lot better. Um, Jinder Mahal cannot talk. What can Jinder Mahal actually do? For, I, I, I'm not actually sure, folks. Um, there are people up and down the roster that are not comfortable with a microphone in their hands. And that's okay. Like, not everyone needs to do that sort of thing. Roman Reigns can't talk as a babyface. Brock Lesnar can't really talk. Um, it's just, it's not a trait everybody can, uh, can master. That's okay. But when you see someone now that can you're like whoa whoa <laughs> this is why i got into professional wrestling in the first place was this is what i grew up with and this is like what's compelling this is why i want to watch this product because i don't want to watch just because wrestlers have matches i need to have something else i need something to sink my teeth into and eddie kingston provides that eddie kingston is damn good and his logic for moxley and calling him the sports entertainer and then in the ring come on entertainer like everything about it felt genuine like mox sold out went to WWE, got off the czw circuit eddie stayed eddie struggled and then they still ended up in the same spot in a world title match to close an episode of dynamite it was it was perfectly done he he was hands down the best part of aew last night and they they aew you know it, it wasn't an ideal situation when lance archer came out revealing that he had covid and they had to change the entire plan for the night with that six-man tag team match but but because for weeks Eddie Kingston had been going out on the mic and killing it with his promo work saying I was never eliminated from that casino battle royale so he you know the, the putting him together with John Moxley a a wrestling fan's dream match especially an independent uh, independent wrestling fan's dream match to see those two clash a hard hitting match the knife edge chops from Eddie Kingston you could hear through the TV hurt like a bitch the best match on the card by far as well and I'm just happy to see him in this spot. You know, this was nothing that was guaranteed for him. You know, this was a guy who was seen, but then he gets this TNT championship match with Cody, hits it out of the park. Everyone on Twitter is begging for this guy to get signed. He eventually gets this deal, and now he's in this prominent position on television, on on weekly television with his his own faction. Although he won't call it that, it's 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 his family with Penta Penta El Zero and and Phoenix and the Butcher and the Blade, which I think is a great spot for him. Hopefully, this isn't the end of him and John Moxley. I would love for them to 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 have them ha- have a month long feud just to kind of like get into whenever John Moxley drops the belt, whether it's against Lance Archer or someone else down the road. But give me more Eddie Kingston. Give me more John Moxley. I'm right there with you. Um, I think we're going to get a long storyline here, which is good. I don't think Lance Archer is in the plans long term. He's great to the murder Hawk in his own way, but um, there's a lot of, a lot of meat left in this bone. The fact that Kingston did not tap out, I think was important here. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like Mox's new finisher? Do you like that bulldog choke out? Yeah, I mean, I, Brian Kendrick uh, introduced it in, in the cruiserweight division, but no one's mm. paying attention to that. So uh, John Moxley can take it. it the more present and 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 put in the match 
the better because uh, you know most of the time wrestling fans will watch a match they're going to wait for for Moxley to hit the paradigm shift but give him a couple of other moves you know whether it's that submission chokehold maybe win a match or two with the uh, the gosh style pile driver you know tease maybe a rematch with Minoru Suzuki down the road but I like wrestlers having two or three finishing moves that they can get out of a match with and Cody has kind of worked that when he had the TNT title doing the open challenge whether he was winning with the crossroads or or coming off the, the middle rope with the Cody cutter or winning with the figure four that's amazing it, it makes you pay attention to the match and not necessarily wait for that one move yeah i'm right there with you um some other things from this show that i wanted to uh touch on uh miro had his in-ring debut um not good oh you didn't like it i i thought the match was very sloppy in the middle mm. I, I wouldn't say it was necessarily miro's fault i think a lot of it why came did they do from... the thing where he played injured early on he did not sell that very long Makes you think maybe he was. Maybe he twisted his ankle it was a bit. Weird. Maybe that wasn't written into the match. It was just strange. He just stopped selling that um, about two-thirds way into the match. Like, he had that weird fall, and then he was like, oh, I'm good. Um, I didn't understand why they did that. For his in-ring debut, yeah. It, for his in-ring debut, I would have rather him been out there with either Janela or Sonny Kiss and just squashed them in two to three minutes. But I guess they wanted to, to mix it up a bit because AEW is... Yeah, they they have a lot of monster characters right now. They have Lance Archer. They have you know Brian Cage. They're they're trying to build up build up Will Hobbs as well. Maybe they didn't want to throw Miro into that mix. Having him in the tag team uh, with Kip Sabian is a good idea. You know they they have the the best man gimmick and then the Twitch streaming, which is really funny. Although I'm not a Twitch guy, but that's obviously leading down the road to to Miro maybe destroying uh, Sabian and Penelope Penelope Ford's wedding. But we'll see when the time comes. But I would have rather seen a squash in this scenario i think the match went too long for what it was uh and again it was really sloppy in the middle i don't know per se if if miro was hurt maybe his ankle played a part into that but yeah not a not a strong way to open dynamite the one thing where i will disagree is that i think miro came like just the what reminded me he's not brock lesnar but the trunks and some of his movements and his presentation tonight or last night was Brock Lesnar. And he's jacked. Yeah. He has never been in this kind of shape. Like Rusev is oh. in insane shape right now. And it's at that point where it was interesting when he talked about the fact that he sees himself as like a, the modern Kurt Angle where he can do the comedy stuff while also being serious in the ring. Um, mm-hmm. That's where he's most comfortable. And Rusev is genuinely funny, and I think that works. I will say, the way he's working right now, and the way people are getting thrown into him, and the way that what Kip, Kip Sabian was doing, where he's tossing Kip Sabian into like Joey Janela and stuff, and the way people are bouncing off him, because I think there was a moment in this match where Janela hit him in the face, and he completely nil sold it on the ring apron and got in, and it scared him. Like he has some Brock Lesnar qualities to him, and I know he wants to be Kurt Angle. But he might be a little, little bit more uh, Brock Lesnar. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying he's going to be the biggest draw in professional wrestling, but I am going to say that uh, he has a lot of upside. It just WWE letting him go was one of the more just head scratching. What are you doing? Type things because he is extremely talented and he's going to be a star in this company. 
as as down I was as I was on that opening match, I think Miro came off just like a beast, like you said, Brock Lesnar esque. Uh, they need to find a finish uh, a name for that finishing move. I think Jim Ross did refer to it as the accolade. Uh, you want, obviously want to get that out of people's memory, but he looked really good. The guys the guys jacked. Uh, as can be, you know, he almost reminded me if you're a Pokemon fan out there, he looked like Graveler, just like chiseled out of stone, broad shoulders, just looking like an absolute monster. And I hope they continue to play with that. I, I like the chemistry that he does have with Kip, but that is, I mean, it's obvious to anyone watching that he's going to beat the hell out of Kip somewhere down the road. Yeah. Um, Cody thoughts, the new look emo Cody panic at the disco Cody. How are we feeling? Uh, I I couldn't take him seriously after getting that neck tattoo. So he's already kind of ruined the look for me. I again, the dark hair is what it is. He had dark hair was when he was in WWE. I prefer this him with darker. the blonde. This is the yeah. I'll give you that. It is much darker. I guess he's trying to come off with a, a new persona to battle the Dark Order and, and Brody Lee. It looks like they're teasing uh, a dog collar match, maybe for the anniversary show. Who knows? But uh, I I almost preferred if he had stayed away for a little bit longer just to make that return all the more special. I think last night's Dynamite needed a moment like that, and Cody's return fit the bill. But, you know, with the beatdown that Brody Lee gave him, I would have rather seen someone else thrown into the mix for the TNT title and then build up to but I guess uh, AEW just wanted him back on television, which I can totally understand. We'll see uh, next week on Dynamite if he accepts the challenge. Spoiler alert, he probably is. Yeah, I um it's bad. This look is bad. I like Cody. This look, the, everything about this is bad. His neck tat is bad. I like Cody, but oh god. I, I I get where they're going with this like you said. He has to go to this different place to battle the dark order and everything, but like I, Oh, can I can I can I just say this quick uh about the dark order? A gimmick I despised Ooh. at first. If okay. if we were to do a gimmick of the year, if we were to, to place a vote right now, the Dark Order would probably win it. And Wait, God gimmick bless, of the year? Gimmick of the year, group of the year, whatever you want to call it. Faction the Dark the Order, Faction of the Year. I don't give him all of the awards. No. I, I watch these Faction guys of on, the year? I watch these guys. You know what? I like the Dark Order more so than the Hurt Business, my friend. I'll tell you oh. that right now. So we can get into a conflict about this. But are you? Have you been watching? Be, have you watched Being the Elite as of late? Uh, no, I don't watch Being the Elite. I will. Oh my! Oh my! So the fact you will not understand why I am so appreciative of this gimmick. Brody Lee's chemistry with John Silver is goddamn hilarious. And it, all you have to do is watch the opening of the Being the Elite when Brody Lee became the TNT champion. And Brody Lee comes in, they're celebrating, and then John Silver and uh, Alex Reynolds come in with chilies, and they have a couple of other skits in the episode. I was dying. They the, the comedic chemistry that these guys have, I wish it was on more on display during actual television. And and that's kind of the thing. I wish, you know, D- Weekly Dynamite wouldn't because there's so many storylines that cross over that people watching Dynamite, Strictly Dynamite, may not understand. But those guys are so goddamn funny. Please, I encourage you, Chase, watch Being the Elite, if only for the Dark Order. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Strong. I'm blowing your mind right now. <laughs> I'm more of a Santos Escobar guy. Oh, Love God. me some Santos. Look, you're, you're coming. 
you're coming at me with these TJP is the best worker in the business right now, and I'm coming at you with the Dark Order is the faction of the year. So we're we're both dropping some hot takes right now. I w- I'm going to get some pushback on the TJP point. I think. <laughs> just, I would maybe, just encourage maybe, just a little. Yeah, like here we go. This is how we sell it. it your Dark Order um, obsession. Just watch being the elite, and I think people will maybe side with you. Um, if you are pushing back against my TJP is the best working wrestler in the company, right? And just professional wrestling right now, go watch a 10 minute TJP matches of the last two years. Just watch 10 minutes. The first 10, see what he does. See how, see if you look at your phone at any moment during that time period, see if you (laughs) are not completely engaged and enthralled by his counters and just how much movement he is just pulling off and just how quick he is able to transition from aerial moves to uh, submission holds and everything. Like, just just watch it. Just just see. Like we're, we're, we're encouraging wrestling fans to watch more wrestling. And at the end of the day, we're doing right by the business. Uh, that you're about to say, then what are we doing? We're really just wasting people's time with those. <laughs> yeah, you could also make that argument, especially these days. Well, that's all I've got, uh, Chris. Is there anything you would like to plug before we get out of here today? Uh, sure thing, man. Well, first of all, just thank you for having me back on the podcast. I always enjoy chatting some wrestling with you. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports, and be sure to subscribe to my own podcast, the Walder Sports Cast. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podbean, or wherever it is that you download your shows. It's mo- it's mostly a Toronto Raptors based uh, podcast, but I have a lot of different guests on that show, so I encourage you to check it out. All right, go do that. Keep up the great work, sir. And uh, we'll have you back on the podcast soon. Thanks. I can't wait. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. Goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.